to the latest episode of Nerds Amalgamated. It's our one-year anniversary episode. I am the DJ, and with me today is Buck. Hello, how are you? Oh, not too bad. How are you? I'm marvellous. Oh, fun day? It was. Huh. What'd you get up to? Um, did a lot of running around, doing, getting ready for university, um, a lot of reading, play some games, and most important, I slept. Fuck. Yeah. How can you be marvellous if you're a DC fan? Oh! It's because <laughs> DC came up with the idea of being marvellous, and then Marvel had to copy that. And they oh. couldn't actually do it, so they just had to call themselves that. So that's the only way they're marvellous. And the other person not uh, the other person is the professor. Their <laughs> anniversary. Yay! Woohoo! We're one year old today. I specifically went to the shops to yes. get some of these for that joke. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh man, we could we could do something. We could do something for our one year. We're we recording are. an episode. Doing it. We're recording an episode. Oh, and, the, and the professor and I are actually sitting near each other. We kicked you out of the room because there was overpowering everybody else's microphone. But <laughs> but man, so many memories after that one year. So many good memories. Remember mm. all the times I had to edit you out, you saying something stupid? Ah, uh, and so many jokes we made about you, Professor. Yes. <laughs> um, are you still convinced that the new doctor is a female? <laughs> He's gone quiet. I better be careful, he might mute me. Or I could be sneaking up behind you with a knife. <laughs> no, I've got glass windows in front of me so I can see the reflection of anyone coming near me. <laughs> Plus I can, oh, he just stuck his head around the corner. He's not happy. Yeah, I don't think I'd be able to sneak up on him from this angle. It's like the Actually, this was, this was the perfect time we could have had the Nerf gun, except the DJ's now in the other room. We can't shoot him. Oh man, so we got an interesting um, set of topics this uh, this week. So we've got bandages. Are you sure? Oh yeah, we've got bandages using electric saps. Uh, an update about Black Mesa and Miss Fury. Is it Black Mesa or Black Mesa? Black Mesa. 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 Okay. Because it's one of those things you always hear people pronouncing it in different ways. So I just wanted to clarify. All good, all good. Anyways, um, let's start with um, you, Buck. You've got the topic about bandages using electric zaps. Well, it's a little bit more complicated than that. It's looking at um, the fact that improving the speed of healing by zapping wounds with gentle bursts of electricity. So it's not a massive electric shock. And you don't even have to carry a battery pack. So it's actually going to be generating power from your own bodily movement. So, yeah, um, the all the technologies pretty much figured out and researchers have already produced a working prototype. And the researchers who are behind this are from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Um, we have... Zidong Wang is the main guy behind it. So, yeah. Engineers making medicine better. We're moving, we're moving closer to Star Trek where we have our own little handheld zappers to do your healing. It just, these types, this type of technology reminds me of um, those muscle um, stresses that you see where people um, wear on their chest just to get their um, chest muscles um, uh, uh, um, vibrating. 
I said it's yeah, uh, one this that one's is not a con. Pun? This one's not a scam. Well, the actual idea of those electric um, muscle stimulation devices isn't actually a scam. That does actually work. Uh, it was originally developed for physiotherapy, for muscle um, regeneration and so forth after accidents. Um, some people would use it, the proper ones for muscle generation, which such as Bruce Lee famously did it to because he was too busy working on scripts and other things. But yeah, yeah, I remember um, I watching Dragon. Uh, I was watching Dragon the Bruce Lee story, and remember the actor playing as Bruce Lee was wearing that machine. And he said like it was equivalent of having three hundred push-ups. Yeah, but that wasn't the same as what you buy on one of those online commercials. The one that he was using was the actual proper physiotherapy one, which costs a few thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't mind one of them, though. Then I could never leave my chair. Like, just make a full body suit, and I'll just sit in my chair gaming all day. <laughs> yeah, um, I've had similar ideas. Uh, it can also set it so it actually does like a massage pulse to relax the muscles to reduce stress and so forth as well. And then you have um, the DJ's ones, which vibrate, apparently. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about, the electric muscle stimulation. That's the one I was talking about. And they're sold at good, all those um, good adult shops with you can find locally. But, yeah, no, um, the, tech, like, the article that we have here is talking about um, how Wang's group have developed this bandage and they've tested them on uh, the actual uh, prototypes on 10 injured rats. And as they breathed in and out, their wounds received tiny electrical shocks and, yeah, they healed a lot quicker. So is the pulse generated by the lungs moving? Well... It's as the body moves, so it was depending on where the injury is. So if it's on your arm, as your arm moves, it would it, the movement generates electrical impulse. It was just on the rats. It was, I'd say, the the wound was probably on the body. So therefore, as I'm breathing in and out, that's body movement. Uh, by the way, Buck, that um, device that they showed on Star Trek, it's called a dermal regenerator. Uh, it's an easily oper operable medical tool used by several civilizations to help heal minor skin wounds. And folks, the DJ is actually currently hoping to get a position on Iron Chef. He runs around going, Iron Chef, Iron Chef, the chef on such and such has got octopus. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, moving along. The... There's, there's ain't no pain, big gain. Um, it's still early days with this sort of technology and you've got to be careful because, yeah, overuse can cause problems and you've got to be careful when you're applying electricity to the body because you can impact on the uh, um, central nervous system and prolonged exposure to electricity can also create issues with the skin so yeah did they say what how much um, how many volts what's the voltage they've used to for the for healing wounds um well depend on the size of the battery the band-aid and how much you move like they it's still very early days um so yeah Yeah, I, I can see at least this, at least this is better than the the age old band aids where you you have to rip it out and scream in pain when it when you rip out a band aid. Well, it's still going to be a band aid. Yeah, well, I'm hoping this this will alleviate the pains of of taking out a band aid. Are you a wimp, DJ? <laughs> 
Is anyone going to roll a duct tape? Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, um, look, honestly, there's no mention in the article anywhere or in any of the information about it that says um, voltage or ampage or anything like that. It just more electrical charge. But, yeah. Another, so another cool tech to anticipate in the future. Definitely. Awesome. All right, um, moving along. Uh, Professor, you've got something, some updates on the Black Mesa game. Yeah, the uh, Crowbar Collective, who are the people making Black Mesa, have come out with the latest update. They're still working on the Zen chapter for the game, which is a remake of the original Half-Life. And they've just released a announcement showing some of the new levels and how they're animating the Gonark enemy. I'm not the biggest fan of the changes they've made since the last set of pictures of these levels. I feel like it's gone too blue. So when you say blue, do you mean like blueister blue or? No, I mean, if you like the last picture in the article is comparison shots of some art from October. Mm -hmm. And you can see the tinting of the image has shifted all the way blue. Mm. I see where you're coming from. It just, it, it feels more cinematic though. Uh, I think the um, the originals are more cinematic. They have a nicer tone, and the the glowing stands out better. Yeah, but could that also just be someone played with the contrast settings on their monitor and the game setup and took the pictures? Well, it's possible, and they're still working on them. So, I mean, the article itself says that the sun effect is too hot. So maybe they'll turn it down before the next update. Okay. Now, I have to say, I I can see the issue with the blue, but the bottom picture, you got more clarity, so you can actually see more what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, they're, um, it's better lit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And plus, it, it, the, when you compare the bottom picture, the first, the before picture looked like more of a horror suspense game. The after picture it looks more like a more, yeah, looks more brighter. But he's chowing down on his lollies. Mmm, <laughs> mmm, mmm. Hey, it's a party in here, and everyone's invited. <laughs> <laughs> But man, that's a that's an interesting update. I'm looking at the cinematic physics as well, and that looks cool as well with the uh, yeah. I feel like that'll be pre-rendered sort of stuff. Like they've done a simulation to determine how they want it to act, and they're going to bake it in. So this is all this is all in development still, or yeah, it's the Black Mesa team. They're kind of famous for missing deadlines. Yeah, we're talking about them the other week, weren't we? Yeah, we were. Yeah, quite a while back now, I think. Yeah. But I will say this is a massive improvement, though. It is. They've put 10 years of work into this, and you can play the first two-thirds of the game on Steam, and it's looking amazing. The, the first two-thirds are absolutely perfect. Awesome. The last word, the Zen chapter, I'm really excited to see how they've reimagined it because a lot of people didn't like the original. I didn't mind it, but it'll be, um, I want to know what they're, how they envision it. Mm Um, I'm just having, like I said, I'm having a look at the article and 
Well, while he's reading the article, I'm going to play a game. <laughs> but um, yeah, I like I said, it's um, I'm looking at the comments for this um, for this article, and everyone's pretty hyped up for this for this. Like really good reviews. They're all saying like this. Like one comment saying, "This is a brings back a part of my childhood." And, so I think they're they're hitting the right notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you so you will you still be buying the game when it comes out? I've already bought it. They released it the first two thirds of it years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, moving along. I've got I've got a very famous superhero that we have never heard of until now. Does not compute. Okay, so the superhero I'm talking about is her name is Miss Fury, also known, originally known as Black Fury, and she became the first major female super female superhero to go on print. Uh-huh. So, so when when was that? This was in 1941, April. So this oh, is so we're going to we're not even American dating system now. We're doing year then month. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. So she was just a few months after Superman came swooping out of the Manhattan skies. Oh yeah. Yeah. She. Well, I will say this though. This was. Did she beat um, Wonder Woman by more than six months? Mm-hmm. And who was her creator? Um, her creator, whose real name was June. Mm-hmm. June, uh, is it June Mills? Hang on a second. Miss Fury. Black Fury. Yes. Did not do the research. Oh, no, I've seen, I, I, I did the research. Well, obviously not, because you don't know who drew it. <laughs> it was cre- well, basically, it was created on. It was debuted on April 6, nineteen forty-one, and created by the artist Tape Mills, basically. Whose real name was June. So, yeah. maybe it's June Mills. Yeah. yeah. So this. Fig jam, folks. Um, it's not even my story, and I can figure that out. <laughs> but yeah, her backstory is pretty interesting as well. So it was basically so her backstory is basically one night, one night, a girl named Marla Drake finds out that her friend Carol is wearing an identical gown to a masquerade party. So at the behest of her maid Francine, she dons a skin-tight black cat suit. That in an imperial twist, typical of the period, was once worn as an a- ceremonial robe by a witch doctor in Africa. Mm-hmm. On the way to the ball, Marla took on a gun-toting killer using her cat claws, stiletto heels, and hilariously a puff of powder blown from her makeup compact to dis- disarm the villain. She leaves him trust with a hapless and unconscious police detective by the side of the road. The thing I actually find truly interesting about this is the fact that, like a lot of the female artists of that time, Mills was actually had to hide the fact that she was a female because it would have affected sales of the comic if they knew that it was actually drawn by a lady rather than a bloke. Yeah, because this was around the time when Stan Lee was around as well. Yeah, it's but not like Stan Lee was only around for a little bit. He was around for quite a while. Was he? I didn't know that. He's still a bloody uh, page image on Facebook. Yeah, I know that. I'm just being facetious here. 
But yeah, that's a good ach- uh, that's a good achievement uh, though to um get her get her comic book during the during that era. That was a pretty big achievement. Yeah, it was a shame that um there was a massive backlash against unconventional images of femininity. It says here. And 1950s climate of heightened censorship, which destroyed a lot of comics at the time because it, things had to be within a tight little frame. And if it didn't fit in that frame, then it got destroyed. So good on you, America. Yeah. You killed a great comic hero. Yeah. And, not to, and I, I like the descriptions of um, what she can do like she can fight she can fly a flight by the plane where she had when she had to jumping out jumping out in the parachute dressed in the red satin ball gown and matching shoes she was also a crack shot now hang on she had the matching gown and shoes but did she have the handbag oh and did the parachute match the gown these are all important facts It is an absolute fashion faux pas to turn up at a ball and not have your parachute match your gown. <laughs> Would you want to t- t- take it up with Mills? Um, I would. I'd actually love to see this come back and be re re printed and re re addressed and. Taking we have yet another shitty superhero movie about it. <laughs> I don't know about whether it's a movie, but just print of the original comics for Miss Fury, and see if, if it's popular. Have it come back through because honestly, um, looking at some of the storyline here and some of the bits and pieces. I think this is where the idea for Black Widow came from. Well, the problem is though, like with Black, with the characters like Black Widow and and Wonder Woman, all the heroes, they're mainly unobtainable in terms of the powers and abilities. While no. Miss Fu- while Miss Fury, on the other hand, her alter um, uses they use their collective brains, resourcefulness, and the odds to let her heal in the face to bring the village to justice. So, in other words, she's like all the original comic heroes, such as Dick Tracy and the Phantom, etc., and all the, most of the DC catalog with um, Batman, who didn't have special powers and abilities, but still managed to go out there and kick butt and take names. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's only but, it's only Marvel that they have to have it. Everything's got to be special powers and and weird stuff. Oh come on! What about Wonder Woman and Superman then? Um, they're gods. Okay, Superman. He's, he's a god. Not, he's not a god. I mean, he doesn't. He's not the god. He's not like Zeus. How do you know? Because he's not the king of gods. How do you know Zeus wasn't just from another planet? Were you around when Zeus was around? No. Then how can you make a conjecture like that? I'm just saying that Superman is not really a god. He can't create life and... He came from the heavens? He came back to life from the dead? Although, if you go on Marvel, that happens every third comic book, isn't it? After they kill them off, they come back? Well... Considering most of the characters are probably going to come back in the um, next Avengers movie, they don't even go a whole movie dead. <laughs> and that well, face that... is known as a bazinga moment for the DJ. <laughs> but um, it's interesting though with um, Black with um, Black Fury, there are other char- there are other people who've taken the mantle of Black Fury as well after um, Miss Fury. Like uh, there's one character, John Perry. He's he was the second Black Fury. Um, this feature was created by Dennis Neville and Mark Howell, and he was the alter ego of John Perry, 
was a gossip columnist at the Daily Clarion. Mm -hmm. He had no superpowers as well. Uh, then you have Rex King, who was the third Black Fury. Um, he, he was a costumed adventurer who could glide through the air using wind-like underarm flaps on his costume. He defended the jungles of Africa with the help of his pet Black Panther, Kato. And if you want to, you can read the entire article yourself. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just saying that if they if they do want to bring back bring back um, Black Fury, the question is going to be which version are they going to bring back? Like you got all these different reincarnations, are they going to bring bring them all back and just see which one's popular? That'd be good. That... Yeah, I could see that. Black happening. Fury Battle Royale. <laughs> oh, goodness, no. Or we'll just do it like what was it in the recent DC comics Black Fury War of the Cape, War of the Cow. Or was But was it originally a DC comic? Yeah, the, um, yeah Batman um, War of the Cow. Yeah. Was Black Fury. Originally, a DC comic. Uh, no. And on that disappointing note, folks, I think we'll move on. Yeah, we should move on. Um, so, what games are what games have we been playing, Buck? I've actually been playing CSR two on my mobile phone. Oh, mobile phone games. Oh, what have you done? What do you mean, what have I done? I just told you I've been playing a game. Oh, I know that, but mobile phone games, man, really? It's not technically a game. What does CSR stand for? I have no idea. It's a car racing game where it's all about drag racing. and you. It's got a storyline where apparently you're helping someone who's had their entire garage of special cars were stolen by somebody else and you're racing and trying to find out who stole the cars and recover them. So it's kind of like Need for Speed? Pretty much. How far have you gotten to the story? Um, well, I'm up to Tier 5 and I'm just trying to get all the bits and pieces for um, my tier five car to get up to fast enough to beat the boss of that level and win his car. So you got, um, so are there, are there, have you encountered any problems like graphically and? No, actually, so far it's actually been pretty cool. The only major issue is you can't just go out and buy the parts you want for the car. It's, you, it's kind of like a loot box system where it's just, it's random. Oh, like okay. Fusion parts for the car. But yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, how about you, Professor? What, what games, have, what game have you been playing? I have dug through the annals of history. And played Age of Empires 2. Oh, the that HD re release. I haven't heard that game in a long, long time. I um, got together with a couple of friends and we played a few. I haven't played it in a few years since, uh, probably since the year the re release came out. But uh, it still holds up. Have you, tried, have you played the single? Have you played the story modes for the game? Not in years and years. Oh, I, I, I've always loved the story modes uh, in in that game. My favorite, my favorite story mode would be uh, Saladin's um, story. Okay. It's pretty fun to play. I will say that. There's a couple of new ones actually, because they added new. Uh... New nation, nations. 
Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, there was been a thing three DLC packs since the release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I noticed them. They were was it the Forgotten, the African Kings, and the Rise of the Rajas. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they're pretty good. I, I, I wouldn't mind playing it again now. Do it. Oh, are you gonna play um all the other Age of Empires as well after two? No. Two's the only one that's really held up well. You're not gonna play um the Age of Mythologies game that came out after Age of Kings. I've never actually played Age of Mythology. They did do a remaster of it. I should probably play it sometime because my friend's always raving about it. So what with a, um... what about Civilization? Are you gonna play that as well? Yeah. I love Civilization. <laughs> Ever since I played the first one. So with um Age of Empires two, have you encountered any problems like aesthetically, control wise, anything like that? Well I suck at it. <laughs> so it's all good so it's a good game? Yeah, I still enjoy the game. I don't remember the last time I actually won a multiplayer match. Like where it's a free for all match. Uh, that's okay. That's good to hear. I've been playing, guys, I've been playing a game called Apex Legends. It's a new game released by the creators of Titanfall. And so, and I will say it's a mix of PUBG and Fortnite. 
the more you work at something and practice at it, the better you get. Uh Have you heard of such a concept, Professor? I can't say I have. (laughs) I'm sure about this. Surely someone's done a scientific study on it. It, There's got to be something there. Maybe we could call it practice. Oh, no, I meant even with even with them, um, when you do the whole, tr- the, the, even with the practice sessions, it's not like it, it doesn't um, substitute to when you're playing it in the, when you jump into the deep end. Yeah, but practice is more you do it, the better you get. That's the whole, like, it's not just practice sessions. The more you do it is considered practice. Yeah. I, I, I get that. I, I admit that. But um, overall, I think this game is a it's a break from Fallout and all those battle royale type games, and it's a neat it's a neat game. It's a very neat game. Yeah. Uh, Still looks very similar to them. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Anyways, um, we should head down to the shoutouts. So on January 1926, uh, Disney Brothers Cartoon Studios studio changed its name to the Walt Disney Studio shortly after moving into the new studio on Hyperion Avenue in the Silver Lake District. Everybody knows about Walt, but no one ever knows about Disney Brother. What was his brother's name? Wait, who are you asking? The professor or? Either of you. There's two people. I didn't say a name, so therefore it's an open question. Uh, isn't it Ron? Where it's Ron? Ron Howard. It was Roy. It was Walt and Roy Disney. Ah, right. Roy Disney. Yep, that's right. Roy Disney. <clears throat> but yeah, that's uh, it's pretty cool. To, it's pretty amazing how the Disney company has gone from a little known studio in Hi- a little known studio in Hyperion Avenue to just this big gigantic company. Walt must have been a younger brother trying to steal people's credit like that. Steady on there, old fart. <laughs> oh, no, I have two younger siblings. They're always trying to upstage me. They should know I'm the best, damn it. <sighs> the ineptitude of the older generation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, so on the 6th of February 2019, uh, Falcon Heavy test flight, uh, the first attempt by SpaceX, uh, was it was attempted and uh, this successful te- test introduced the Falcon Heavy as the most powerful rocket in operation, producing five million pounds of force of thrust and uh, having more than twice the lift capacity of the NASA Space su- Shuttle launch system. And That's they a- sent uh, Elon's car to space. But he got a new one. Yeah. <laughs> And on the 6th of February 2019, David Bottomley became Australia's oldest PhD graduate at 94 from Perth's Curtin University. His Curtin, oh, that's an amazing achievement, by the way. Very amazing. His um, Curtin University PhD focused on the history of teaching methods. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, what's his name? David Bottomley. <laughs> that's right in front of you. I was on tab to look at the Walt Disney thing. Uh. Yeah, congratulations, um, David. You... Wow, that's amazing. That's an amazing achievement. What's more amazing is he says he's said he hasn't actually even finished yet. <laughs> and he's got it. <laughs> no, but he's going to continue studying. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. He was, I think he was speaking to one of the presenters on radio. They, it, it doesn't stop. He will not yeah. stop. It's an addiction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
was it was that old saying uh, knowledge is power well uh, that is an old saying yeah That's, there's also an old saying yeah only stop learning when you're dead uh but still that's but still that's a good achievement good achievement um, on the 7th of February, 1984, New York's mayor, Edward, Edward I. Koch, was it Kosh, whichever one, uh, proclaimed the song New York, New York by Frank Sinatra, the city's official anthem. And we wish we could do a rendition of that song, but maybe not. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Isn't that how um, it was done for the Gremlins too? Yeah, yeah. They had all the Gremlins. Da 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 da. I remember watching that movie when I was young. I was so do I. Way too young to watch it. Although I will say that song's been featured in so many TV shows, including The Simpsons. Hmm. You know who the original person was for that, saying that song? Um, I remember it's a woman, but I forgot the name. It's a New York, New York. It's, a, it's from it's from, the, it's from the movie as well. Liza Minnelli. That's the That's one. it. I was just about to say, Eliza, but yeah, finally remembered. She she's very that's a very iconic song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and a little little twist and test for your general knowledge here for the bonus round. Who was Liza Minnelli's mum? Judy Garland. Yep. Congratulations. Oh thank you. Oh thank you. You've won an all expenses trip paid to the library. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so we've got some remembrances to to uh, share. Um, so on the first of February, twenty nineteen, Clive Swift, um, English actor and songwriter, best known for his role as Richard Bucket, was okay. <laughs> okay <laughs> the long-suffering husband of hyacinth in the british television series keeping up appearances died following a short illness at 82 in paddington london he was also featured in a couple of sh- um, sh- other shows such as the um, old guys if i can tell you i mean they weren't that old yeah, the old guys. It was featuring him and Roger Lloyd pa- um, Pack, another mm-hmm. great actor. My God, ah, he, he, Richard will be missed. He also had a couple of roles in Doctor Who. Yes. Oh yes. Further confirming the theory that there were only six actors in England. <laughs> There's more than six actors in England. <laughs> uh, I think the 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 role I'm thinking of is it was he the one with David Tennant? Yeah, he was Mister Copper in um, the Christmas special. That's Watch the it. one I remember. Uh, that role, it was pretty funny. He won the lottery ticket in the end. <laughs> no, Mister Copper was the tour guide, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the tour guide, but then um, oh, David yes, Tennant... he did win the yeah. The doctor gave him the ticket. Yeah, yeah, I remember. That was and a fun set up the Mister Copper. Uh, it was like a laundromat and academy. Yeah, he um, was also a character in Revelation of the Daleks. He was. <clears throat> mm-hmm. He's not the only one. There's been like every actor in Doctor Who was in the original. Oh yeah, Even yeah. He was kids. Professor. He's uh, Professor Jobel. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, I, 
I was going to say, he's in, he was back in some of the earlier episodes of Doctor Who as well. Okay. Yeah. Pretty, wow, I couldn't believe, I can't believe he's, he hasn't been given a, lord, a, a lordship or anything like that for achievement like this. A knighthood even? Oh, uh, yeah, a knighthood as well, yeah. You got to, yeah. Wow. Anyways, um, 3rd of February 2019, Julie Adams, born originally Betty Mae Adams, an American actress primarily in television. She starred in a number of, number of films in the 1950s, including Bend of the River and Creature from the Black Lagoon. And died of unknown causes at 92 in Los Angeles, California. Uh, that was a, you, so you guys haven't heard of that show, Creature of the Black Lagoon? Yeah, I know of it. I've watched it. Yeah, she's the she, she's the woman in the, in the famous posters. Like she's the iconic figure. Mm. Oh, you asked like... me. You asked me earlier before yeah. the show if I was born in the fifties, and then you asked me whether I remember this. <laughs> You're trying to say I'm old and got dementia. No, I was just wondering whether you remembered it or not. Yeah, I'm not saying well, you have dementia. I wasn't born at that time. <laughs> But I, I do remember the movie. Uh, 6th of February, 1994. Jack Kirby, American cartoonist, famous for his works uh, such as X-Men, Spider-Man, Hulk, Captain America. Writer and editor, widely regarded as one of the medium's major innovators and one of its most prolific and influential creators. Died of heart failure at 76 in Thousand Oaks, California. Man, Jack Kirby, that's a, that's a big legend. Mm-hmm. His work was marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that, a callback all the way to the 10 minutes of our anniversary episode. <laughs> uh, 7th of February, 2001, Anne-Mara Lindbergh, American author, famous for her works, for the work um, Gift from the Sea, Aviator and the wife of Aviator, Charles Lindbergh. Her books and articles span genres from poetry to nonfiction, touching upon topics as diverse as youth and age, love and marriage, peace, solitude and contentment, and the role of women in the 20th century. Died of pneumonia at 94 in Passampic, Passampic, uh, Vermont. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get slaughtered for the pronunciation. So sorry, guys. Oh, you mean we actually get to slaughter you? Sweet. <laughs> uh, so on to our birthdays, guys. So fourth of February, nineteen thirteen, Rosa Parks, American activist in the civil rights movement, best known for her pivotal role in the Montgomery bus boycott in January, in um, December first. 1955 in Montgomery, Alabama, by refusing to relinquish her seat in the colored section to a white passenger after the whites only section was filled. Born in Tuskegee, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And she's also made an appearance in Forrest Gump and Doctor Who. Indeed, yes, I remember. Yeah, such a powerful figure. Very powerful figure. Mm-hmm. She, I think, yeah, she and Martin Luther King are the, are, are the big, big influences when it comes to civil rights. <coughs> there are a couple of key figures, but then, yeah, there's lots more people involved. Yeah. And we'll have a drum roll for the next one. 8th of February, 1828. Jules Verne, French writer known as the father of science fiction, famous for works such as Around the World in 80 Days, 2,000 Leagues Under the Sea. 20! 20,000, yeah. You moron. Yeah, I did say 20,000. You said 2,000. All right, my mistake. <laughs> and, and Journey to the Center of the Earth. And Sending a Rocket to the Moon. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, born in 
That is France. Uh, 8th of February, 1932. John Williams, American composer responsible for some of the most recognizable film scores, which was featured in films such as Jaws, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Indiana Jones, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, and many more. Uh, born in NYC, New York. And still to this day, no one has is more famous than John Williams. Although there are a couple that might be that might take over his take over him, like Hans Zimmer, for example. No, they might you know, match him, but he's such a, an amazing composer that they'll never overtake him. They'll just because you got to look at the fact that like, those are some of the most classic movies. Oh yeah, that's true. And they're going to stand there for a long time. So, listen to his music and just enjoy the music. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. What's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite um, John Williams sound, um, soundtrack from what move uh, from any movie? Um, I think it was in one of the. Indiana Jones movies. There's just a, it's a just a nice relaxing piece of music. I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, um, it just flows along. And it's just it's nice and relaxing. Mine to this day, when it comes to John Williams, would always be the Star Wars intro songs. It always gets me to this day. Like I would get goosebumps every time I hear the. The Star Wars intro song to this day. Mm-hmm. How about you, Professor? Jurassic Park. Oh, oh, that's a good, that's a good one. That's a good one. Anyways, moving along. Um, eighth of February, nineteen fifty-five. John Grisham, American writer, born in Jonesboro, Arkansas. I've, I've always wanted to watch the uh, movies such as The Client, Firm, and Pelican Brief. You haven't watched them? I haven't watched them. Slacker. I was too young when The Pelican Brief came what out. Have been, what have you been doing since? Well, what was it 1995? I was... There's been plenty of time since those, came, those movies come out. We're living under a rock. <laughs> Uh, and finally, for our events of interest, so 5th of February, 1924, the Royal Greenwich Observatory begins broadcasting the hourly time signals known as the Greenwich Time Signal, or the BBC PIPs. God, I miss listening to the BBC radio back in those days. Were you around then? Oh, well, in the 1990s, yes. Well, I thought you were saying... You... Enjoyed listening to back in 1924. Ah, I wish I would. I wish, I wish. Uh, 5th of February, 1981. Largest jelly ever made. Uh, In in Brisbane, of all places, which is awesome. Uh, It's time to do it again. (laughs) And it was based... We're taking donations. Everybody send us money and we'll fill a swimming pool with jelly. <laughs> Actually, I think you might need more than a swimming pool. Oh, yeah. This, what is it, like 9,246 gallons of watermelon flavor? Yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot of water. My only question is, that that much jelly, how much ice cream? Ooh. <laughs> and, and and how many people got diabetes out of trying to eat? <laughs> imagine telling, imagine the grandkids saying like, we had the war on obesity back in the 1980s. That's still going on. So, no, no, no. They launched obesity. <laughs> things it wasn't a uh, like just a swimming pool full of jelly it was models of 
the uh, cast members from the first Biggest Loser. <laughs> oh my god! I wonder how much I want. You know what's gonna be really? Imagine if you do it in, in this day and age. I wonder how wonder how much jelly would melt into the sewers. And how bad? How long would it take for the um so for the council workers to clean all that jelly up? Well, the good thing is, jelly kind of just dissolves in water. Yeah, but it's like uh, pouring coke onto onto the road, and it doesn't and sticks when it when, when it, at a certain temperature, <laughs> like it gets all sticky. I thought you liked things that were sticky. No, Buck, no. No, that's one of your fantasies, isn't it? <laughs> no. No, um, I thought you liked um, chewing gum and stuff like that. Uh, anyways, uh, finally, so 7th of February, 1845. Hang on, hang on. You were saying before you about Band-Aids and... Now someone says something about sticky and you get all nasty. Oh, I don't know. I'm just trying to finish the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, finally, so 7th of February, 1845, a 2,000-year-old glass treasure shattered by a drunk. One of the British Museum's treasured piece of Roman antiquity, the Portland vase, was shattered on this day by a drunken visitor. And they and luckily they did fix the whole thing up with no damage whatsoever from the original. It's pretty crazy that um I've always been amazed by art restorationists because they can make stuff that's completely indistinguishable from the original. Yeah, but the problem with art restoration is you get you sometimes get the uh, Odd person or two that will ru- that would just ruin it. Like, wasn't there? That's where you get professionals. Oh, this one was a story where she claims to be a professional, but then turned out to be an absolute. Made the made the piece even worse. Are you talking about the Doctor? Be- are you talking about the uh, Mister Bean movie? No, not Mister Bean. This was actually um, a real the thing. The Passion of the Christ one. So he was, was back an old lady uh went into a, an art gallery and just started painting on one of the frescoes because uh she had a revelation from God that she'd go and re- restore this painting with no painting skills yeah here we are yeah it, uh... <laughs> it was it was a fresco in Spain. Once you see the image, you will you you'll be uh, shocked and awed at. Not if you saw it six years ago when it happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so bad. Just looking looking at the finished the restored version. <laughs> That's the reason why professional restoration experts do special courses at university, and even then they after they've and all that they still take years before they're considered masters of craft. Uh, I, I I wouldn't trust it. <laughs> I, I I like art restorations, but <laughs> that's just painful to look at. Uh, anyways, on that note, before we go. Should we, uh, do we have any good memories of our first episode before we have any good memories we should share? Of the first episode? I can't remember our first episode. Can you remember our first episode? I remember the trial run we did. (laughs) I also remember that I was the one that... Flashback music here. (laughs) But do you have any good memories? Do you have any good memories of, um... Good memories. Or, or do you mean of the show specifically? Well, I, I mean, like, uh, like our appearance at Supernova, our E3 night. Yeah. Well, 
E3 was over a few nights. Um, but yeah, that was fun. And so was Supernova. That was actually pretty awesome. We got to meet some amazing people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, we met the Fortress. We met some of the guys from the Fortress. Uh, we met uh, Sean from XCT. Um, Rick Meads. Oh, yes, yes. We met the him. amazing author behind Speckled Search for Friends, which is the most amazing children's book ever. Uh, we also met the the sons of the sons of everyone Jedi Academy, and Steph Tiernan from Blue Fox Props. Oh yes, oh yes, they were good. And uh, we, lastly, we lastly we met um, Jamie Johnston as well. Oh yeah, he was cool. Actually, we have to do a big shout out this because he just first, second, and third placing in a competition. Oh nice, nice. Very nice. Which I did post up on Facebook, but yeah. Yeah. And we also, we, actually, we do have to give a shout out to um, Sean from Comics to Movies uh, for his um, nomination in the Spacey Awards for Best Current Indie Comics of Indie Comic of 2019. I posted that up also on the uh, Nerds, Nerds page. But yeah, that's a that's a that's a good achievement as well for to be nominated. Definitely. Yeah. Anyways, on that note, uh, hope to, that's the end of the episode for for the birthday for the birthday episode. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at nAmalgamated, on on Gmail at nerds.amalgamated at gmail you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. You can go to that'snotcanon.com where you can also find some beautiful Nerds Amalgamated merch. Me Including and... mugs, which are great for holding your tea. Oh, mm -hmm. yes. Oh, yes. And also... Oh, listening... hot. <laughs> it was very hot. And also uh, some of the cool old episodes of Nerds Amalgamated. And you can also check out our, the other podcasts such as General Queries. And Cutscene Saga. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Great bunch of guys. What's Cutscene Saga about, Professor? Uh, sorry? Can you tell us who, what Cutscene Saga is about? Uh, Just a catch you completely off guard and unprepared. Yeah, because <laughs> I haven't actually followed Cutscene Saga. Ah, okay. It's basically a um, a podcast about games. That's it. That's the basic gist of it, but we yeah. hope to hear. We hope to hear. They um, did an episode where they were looking at Red Dead Redemption 2 the other week, so, yeah. Oh, nice. Yes, nice. I remember they are the, one of the ones I've been meaning to check out, along with all of the other wonderful uh, That's Not Canon podcasts. Mm-hmm. Actually, Red Dead Redemption got a four-part podcast. That's a lot of Red Dead Redemption. Oh, yeah. It is a big, big game. Yeah, so it's a video. So it's basically a video game story podcast. That's the basic gist of it. And we'll send you the to their um, to their Facebook page in our show notes. Anyways, uh, that's all from us. Hope to hear from you guys. See you soon. See ya. And thanks for listening to us for the last year. If there's anyone out there who's listened to every single one of our episodes, good job. <laughs> you put up with us a lot more than we wanted to put up with us. <laughs> Definitely. Hey, Root. See you guys. Here we go.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.